Lowe's knows top outdoor power equipment. And now's the time to get your yard ready for spring with Ego Outdoor Power Equipment starting at $219. Experience the latest innovations in outdoor battery power from Ego, like Speed IQ technology that adapts mower speed to your stride. Get continuous non-stop trimming with the Line IQ string trimmer and get added steering wheel precision with the E-Steer zero-turn mower. Shop Ego, the number one rated brand in cordless outdoor power. Only at Lowe's today. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Monday episode of the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Visa. Help support your local businesses, whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops. Local businesses have always been on your team supporting you and your community. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at a local business and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. Kyle, happy Monday to you. Carry the one. Okay. Sorry, I'm sitting here doing the math on how many yards Dak Prescott's on pace to throw for this season. It's over 6,000, right? It's 6,760. It's almost 7,000. What? Is it? it's a, the Cowboys are a true Big 12 team. Listen, he's averaging 422 passing yards per game. Per game. He has 201 pass attempts already. He's completing 68% of his passes. And he, uh, he's only thrown three interceptions on 201 pass attempts. And the Cowboys are one and three. And the Cowboys are one and three. And uh, third place in the division, I think, behind the <laughs> Washington football team and the Philadelphia Eagles, the first place Philadelphia Eagles after a gift wrapped win on Sunday Night Football, courtesy of Nick Mullins. Just put it on a platter. It's safe to say the quarterback competition. I know they said it on the broadcast last night, but safe to say that quarterback competition is over. There is no quarterback competition. Everybody thought Nick Mullins came out, played well. Oh, was that really a talking point? Of course it was, man. Of course it was. There's no way we're going to be objective about all this kind of stuff. Beathard came in and gave him some life, man. Yeah. Great uh, Iowa Hawkeye, great C.J. Beathard. Oh, yeah. Do we have any Hawkeyes fans that still listen to the show, or did we flush them all out when we uh, slammed the Beathard pick? We got a few. We got a few. Anytime you could trade up into the third round for your third string quarterback, <laughs> you got to do it. Listen, listen. Cleveland Browns are three and one. If we're talking about this game, yeah, three and one. Cleveland Browns, first time since two thousand one. Greatly enjoyed. Uh, they interviewed. I don't know if you saw. They interviewed Baker after the game, and they said, "Baker, the Browns are three and one. Do you know when the last time that was?" And he says, "No, and I don't really care." <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love that. Said, well, it's been since 2001. So, congratulations, in case you cared. 
Yeah, he's I mean, different. He's different in the media, man. Oh, he's got to be. Yeah. He he couldn't afford to keep being. And we'll we'll still get the cute jokes and all that about the the what is it? Allstate? Is the Allstate progressive? Some insurance company that doesn't the, sponsor the, the podcast, so we don't right. have to get it right. Yeah, correct. <laughs> the commercials, which are goofy. I laughed at the one with all the um the grocery bags, though, because that's that's absolutely been me before. See, Jed Wills got his way into one. Yeah, he did. The book club. Good for you. Man, your offensive line, you getting in on the commercials with Baker, man. Good for you. So, yeah, um, uh, I guess do you, do you want to finish your thoughts on Dallas and maybe Dallas as a team or, or Cleveland as a team or the fact that they scored how many points in this freaking game? Almost 90? Yeah, 49 to 38. Um, I mean, I guess the, to me the story's not the Cowboys, right? They're a team that can throw the football – and they can't play defense, and they're one and three, and we only talk about Dallas because they're such a lightning rod, and they're so popular, but like at the end of the day, if this was a different team besides Dallas, we'd, you know, it wouldn't be the first thing we're talking about here on a Monday podcast. I mean, I would be excited if I'm a Browns fan. You get 300 yards rushing, Baker's playing more efficient. I mean, here's the thing about Baker. It's like he's so he's, – he's finding that balance between – slinging it and taking chances and then just, you know, living to play the next down. And there's some times where I thought he was quick to throw the ball away and like plays that he could have kept alive. He didn't, but you know, I think that, yeah, I think so. I think it's the style that this team needs. If if you're going to run the ball 40 times for 300 yards, you don't need to be taking risks in the passing game. And, um, you know, it's the offense just looks more efficient. I know that Dallas is a bad defense, so it's not a great measuring stick. But there was some creativity there. You saw the touchdown pass from Jarvis Landry to uh, Odell Beckham, which was, my goodness, a terrific throw. Um, but, you know, good for the Browns. They're 3-1, and one, and that, that AFC North is, is just uh, going to be a great race with uh, Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Yeah, so we need to make sure Nick Chubb's healthy. Of course, yeah. that, that he left in the first quarter, but that's kind of the luxury of probably having the best number two NFL or number two back in the NFL in Kareem Hunt. Oh, for sure. Dearness Johnson was great in that game, too. So, uh, I guess for Cleveland, continuing to find and embrace that balance, which we knew was coming with Kevin Stefanski, right? We talked about the two tight end sets and the play-action passing, and that's really starting to come into its own now for for Cleveland. And I think you said something interesting, Joe, about finding the balance and how much of a problem do you think it is? Because I've seen this firsthand for my own rooting interests as well. Like With the trends of the league, teams kind of chasing that elite level of play with sling the ball all around the field. And, of course, Baker had great success with Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma doing exactly that. But, like, how much of a problem do you think that is for – a lot of teams or a lot of quarterbacks, young quarterbacks, uh, team identity crises regarding being honest about the talent that they have versus the trends of the league and how they want to try and play based on what they're seeing other people do. I think it's significant. Um, Obviously watching Josh Allen for, I guess this is his third year now, seeing where he's been with that um, and how – you know, there were times where Josh Allen had to be neutered and you just had to because he was putting a team in bad situations and how he's grown from that. But 
I do think that's a difficult thing for a lot of players to to balance and and you kind of wanting to have this dynamic quarterback that can move around and extend plays, work the football down the field. But, you know, the success of that is, is seems like there's a lot of variance in that. And, and, you know, it's like finding that line for these young quarterbacks is big and, and how soon it happens or, or if it does or whatnot, I, you know, it goes so much into the way you, you see them because there's this mold of quarterback that's developing that you feel like you kind of have to have. And um, you know, you, it's, I think that's probably one of the most difficult things for these guys to do because, like, is if you want to talk about a statistic that is correlative to winning, it's the turnover margin. It's, it's always always has been unless you're the Jets. Um, so you can't put your team in bad spots, but you got to make plays. And, you know, the way that offenses are humming right now, scoring all these points left and right, you know, nobody's playing good defense. Kind of need that guy that can make plays. and But you don't want to put your team in bad spots. Speaking of, that's a perfect transition. Joe, which NFL quarterback is the most sacked quarterback in the NFL? Oh, wow. Um, so far this year? Yes. Through four games. I Spoiler would... alert, it's not going to be any of the quarterbacks that are playing tonight. We got is four it, playing is tonight. It Daniel Jones? Daniel Jones is tied for third with 14. Um, I I don't I think Joe Burrow's been pressured a ton, but I don't think he's been sacked at all. Joe is, Burrow is second with fifteen. So somebody higher than those guys. Yes. Gotta love Joe's live trivia moments here. Um, sacked on eleven percent of his dropbacks thus far. Is it Sam Darnold? It is not Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold is in the top ten though. He has twelve. So is this by percentage or volume? Oh, is it Kirk Cousins? It's not Kirk Cousins. Kirk is twelfth with ten. All right. I mean, I, we can go all day, or you can tell us. Deshaun Watson's been sacked 16 oh, wow. times through four games. Joe, you're talking about making plays, but avoiding the negative ones. Well, the Houston Texans are 0 4. Deshaun Watson's completing 65% of his passes. He's on pace to throw for almost 4,400 yards this season. Only three, t- or three interceptions. He's averaging 8.5 yards per attempt. His uh, net yards per attempt, uh, which is adjusted for for dropbacks, is still over seven. But he's been sacked on 11% of his dropbacks this year, 16 on an offensive line that has how much invested in it and a team that in 2020 is paying more money out for their roster than any other team in the NFL, losing to the previously winless Vikings. I felt like this is the one they had to have, right? You, yes. You, the, those first three games were a gauntlet, but to, this game was in Houston, wasn't it? Yes. To fall to Minnesota, who's not played well this year, disappointing. I mean, they got they got lit up in the passing game a little bit here by those two receivers, Thielen and Jefferson. And uh, they, I mean, they've had to. Re, re, like relearn how to play offense without Hopkins. And um, I know Fuller made some plays in this game, but they kind of they sunk themselves. And I, there was that series where Houston had to get a touchdown. It was the last series of the game. And the, was it the first three plays went to, to uh, David Johnson? And it took so. like the fourth down be, be fine, before they like let, the, let Deshaun Watson try to make that play throwing it? Yeah. And then that came down to the review. 
So you were talking about turnovers, right? Negative plays and and talking about Deshaun and the Houston Texans and obviously taking a lot of sacks. Some of that comes back on Deshaun, undoubtedly. But 16 sacks still leading the league, 11% of his dropbacks. Joe, what do you think uh, the Houston Texans turnover margin is this season? (laughs) How many turnovers do you think the Houston Texans have this season? I'll ask how many, that. How many times they've turned over the ball? Yes. In four games? In four games. Uh, I'll say eight times. Five. So now I'll ask you this. What is their turnover differential on the season through four games? Minus one. Minus five. Oh, man. They've, they've... So they've Listen, not gotten the takeaway. They have not logged a single turnover oh, wow. in four games. Yeah. Here, are the, here are the first downs that Houston has conceded to this point in the season. 28 to Kansas City, 23 to Baltimore, 25 to Pittsburgh, and 24 to Minnesota. Minnesota got more yards of offense than any of the other three teams that Houston has played thus far this season. 410 yards for Minnesota is more than Kansas City, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh got against them. Rushing defense, 166 yards, 230 yards, 169 yards, 162 yards. We're in a bad way. (laughs) <laughs> and to to just kind of look at the numbers for Houston as far as how bad the defense is and how bad the offensive acclimation has been without DeAndre Hopkins, I don't know how much better this gets for Houston. Because after they play Jacksonville at home this week, you go to Tennessee to play the Titans. We're assuming that the the coronavirus – uh, outbreak in Tennessee will clear up in time for that game. I know week five is kind of questionable with Buffalo for Tennessee. And then you host the Packers. Best case uh, is the best case scenario. We're one and six going into a week eight bye. Might be, man. It might be. But um, at least they got a first round pick to help. Oh, oops. Between never-ending laundry cycles and incoming emails, you've got plenty on your to-do list. Give yourself one less thing to worry about and let DoorDash take care of your next meal. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left right outside your door. Right now, our listeners can get 5 bucks off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDON. That's 5 bucks off your first order and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDON. Don't forget, that's code Locked on for five bucks off your first order with DoorDash. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy, but with Roman, it is easy to talk about with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and totally discreet. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. 
Go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. All right, Kyle, the game that I kind of want to get into next is, is the Panthers and Cardinals. Um, both teams now two and two. Matt Rule has this it's team just, at 500. Yep, for the just first like we all expected. Well, look, I give them a lot of credit, man. Um, they, they've, played, they've played tough all year. Um, they didn't, the Tampa Bay game got away from them, but you know, their, their other loss to the Raiders was, was, a, was a tough one at home where they had a chance late in the game, and they gave the ball to Alex Arma instead of Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, and goofy call. It's okay. It was, but I think, you, I think you grow and learn through those things. You know, it, it, sometimes losses, especially at this point, of a team and where they're, you know, where they are in their life cycle, those types of losses can be beneficial, but to bring in this Arizona team and to really, really suffocate that offense. I mean, the Panthers defense was lights out. And part of me was thinking while I'm watching this game and I'm watching Kyler Murray just have no success throwing the football and just playing everything so tight and just finding little outlets and, you know, leaking guys into space and throwing them the football. Phil Snow, man, this is what this guy, the defensive coordinator for the Panthers, this is what this guy's been coaching against for years, right, in the Big 12 and at the college uh, ranks. So this was a really nice um, situation for him who's, you know, look, he's not seen a lot of these NFL offenses, but this is one he's seen. And uh, the Panthers' defense rose to the occasion. Robbie Anderson's been outstanding for this football team. Um, and, uh, I mean, I think – you can have some disappointment here with Arizona, but Carolina being a two and two and playing some good defense here against Arizona was really impressive to me. Yeah. 30 first downs, 444 yards of offense for Carolina in this game. It's impressive. Well, and Arizona's defense continues to be a problem, right? I mean, they, I mean, they had a nice start, but we're now at the point where they've allowed 92 points yeah. through four games. Uh, which, by the way, is one, two, three, four, fifth best in the NFC. For really? context, is about defensive play in the NFC. Yes, <laughs> ninety-two points. That's fifth best in the in the, in the National Football Conference. Yes, in the NFC on the NFC side of things. On the in the NFL in in general, one, and the Chiefs haven't played yet, so maybe not although they're going against Brian uh, Hoyer Brian Hoyer yeah so much for the Jared Stidham hype train guys <laughs> um, Patriots Steelers haven't played Ravens at three and one so like it, it might be a top 10 scoring defense total through four weeks after the games tonight 92 points in four games <laughs> scoring's way up which does that surprise you because generally, like you think about you know, early in the preseason and, and offenses needing time to, to kind of gel and get on the same page, it's kind of been the opposite of that this year, in which I, I don't know if it's because everything's so wide open, but points are easy to come by for the NFL through four weeks. 
It does surprise me because typically offenses are ahead of de- or defenses are ahead of offenses, mm-hmm. but I think crowds play heavily into this. I mean, you just think about Peyton Manning shushing the crowds and wanting to be quiet so he can get into his checks and communicate with his with his guys. And and every offense has that right now. And defenses don't have those crowds to feed off of. I think it's it's playing heavily heavily into this. Um, Kyle, I want to want to keep this on Kyler Murray here for a second and okay. watching this game and you know I I. I I have not watched a ton of Kyler Murray. I've probably watched maybe five of his games. Um, but I, I was thinking about a, an article that I read recently from Pro Football Focus. Steve Palazzolo wrote this on October 2nd. And it was about the biggest weakness for all 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. And their concern with Kyler Murray is intermediate passing, 10 to 19 yards from the line of scrimmage. And a uh, very quick blurb here. It says the intermediate range is the money zone for NFL quarterbacks, but Murray has struggled where many excel. His 54.2 passing grade on throws to the intermediate range is by far the worst in the league since 2019, and he has just three big-time throws against nine turnover-worthy throws, while the rest of the league is working more at a one-to-one ratio in that range. Murray also has work to do when it comes to avoiding unnecessary sacks, but figuring out the intermediate passing game is the real key to taking the next step towards stardom you know intermediate passing to me is one of those really important tells in terms of your ability to diagnose coverage in you know slot the football in the most common throws that NFL quarterbacks make and I'm watching him against Carolina and it, it, you know it just feels like that was a part of the field that he just didn't want to attack and you know I don't know if it's if it's a height thing or what but this is a this, I, I'm not pushing the panic button on Kyler Murray. I think he's extremely talented. I think he's in the perfect offense for him. But this is, this is something that, you know, just kind of raises my eyebrows at this point in, in Kyler's development. This, this was an issue at Oklahoma, too. Like, this, this isn't just exclusive to the NFL level. I thought he was very good deep. But when he was forced to throw – over top of offensive linemen that are significantly larger than he is and get him up over the second level defenders to his receivers in the intermediate areas of the field, over the middle of the field, you saw accuracy issues in in those instances going all the way back to Oklahoma. So I'm not super surprised to hear that it's an issue, but like that was always going to be a limiting issue for your for Kyler. So, okay, you know, now you build a game plan that is around building a wall in front of him and you try and funnel the ball outside and you get congested in those areas of the field. And, you know, as you said, facing a defensive coordinator who has experience with big 12 offenses was, as you said, the perfect example and situation of like, Hey guys, here's the blueprint to bottle up Kyler. 133 yards passing. On 24 completions or something like that, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you want to talk about Herbert? Speaking of, real quick, before we All talk right. about Herbert, who's Arizona's leading rusher this season? Is it Kyler? It's Kyler. Yeah. He's got 11 more yards than Kenyon Drake does. You seen the Giants' leading rusher stats? No. Oh, brother. Pull them up if you want to take a gander at something weird. Going to get a little chuckle here. Yeah, you will. You will. The 0-4 New York Giants coached by Joe Judge. 
<laughs> they scored 47 points in four games. Good start. Oh, my God. 47 points in four games. I think they've scored three touchdowns all season. Rushing stats. First of all, this carry distribution is wild. (laughs) Saquon Barkley, 19 attempts, 34 yards. Daniel Jones, 18 for 137. Devonta Freeman, 16 for 43. Deion Lewis, 13 for 31. Wayne Gallman. 10 for 50. You guys got to get Wayne Gallman some more touches, let me tell you. <laughs> Dude's averaging 5.2. Right. Now, granted, half his yards came on one carry. He had one 26-yard rush. So, if you take that out of the picture, he's got nine for 26. He's back under the standard three yards per carry threshold that the Giants seem to be having with the rest of their running runners. Daniel Jones leading the team, 137 yards. The next closest is Wayne Gallman with 52. Four games it, in the this National team's terrible. Yeah. And, like, we knew it. We knew it coming in that it was going to be bad. But, like, I'm just sitting here looking at the numbers. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> they don't have 300 yards of offense in a single game yet. In the year 2020. This team has eight turnovers in four games. Minus four turnover differential. They've scored three touchdowns all season. Two were to Darius Slayton against Pittsburgh. And then Deion Lewis had a one-yard rush. Oh, my goodness gracious. All right, now you have to say three positive things about the New York Giants. Uh, I tried to warn you about Andrew Thomas. You're done. <laughs> I would tell you about this. I used to work with somebody like an, a while ago. Anytime you said something negative about like someone or something, she would always say, well, now you have to say three positive things. So, All right, let's make this an exercise. Okay. Help me come up with three positive things to say about the Giants right now. Darius Slayton is close to being on pace for a thousand yards. Is that's we're gonna hang our hat on that? Okay. Um <laughs> Blake Martinez has not looked like a bad signing. Very strong, very strong. He's averaging eleven tackles per game and he has two sacks already and five tackles for loss. Graham Gano is uh, 9 of 10 on field goals this year and 9 of 9 from inside 50 yards. Perfect. That's three. Did we get three? Yeah. Terrific. Because right. you, decided to, you decided to quantify. He's, Slayton's almost on pace for 1,000 yards. Right. He's, <laughs> he's got 236. He's 14 yards away. He's only away. 14 yards off the pace. Right. Come on. The, the, the Giants fans are fired up about Slayton, man. They were disproportionately fired, and 102 of those yards came in week one, by the way. Listen. (laughs) All right. Maybe that'll be our new thing. Three positives? Yeah, as we start bashing on somebody, you have to come back with three positives. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Hey, the silver lining for New York is this. You're a game and a half out of first place. Damn right you are. That's that's the best thing you could say about the Giants is they're a game and a half out of first. Hey. They're de- they control their own destiny, too, with That's all the true. games left on their schedule. You know, Just, It's all out there in front of you guys. All right. Did you so, see Trevor Sikama actually did this for us? No, the, what do you do? The zombie team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was good. I did see that. Yes. I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. Um, I feel like we need to talk a little bit about Trey Lance, don't we? Um, we do, yeah. 
What else do you have from an NFL docket you'd like I, to get to? I would like to get to Bucks Chargers. Oh, yes. Justin Herbert time. Oh, brother, is it ever? So, Justin Herbert is, I think, the second NFL quarterback to throw for 300 yards in his first three starts. He didn't throw for 300 in this one, believe Oh, me. right. He 290. 290. Burrow got um, it, though. Burrow got it. Uh, three, yeah. So, it was like Cam Newton, I think, was one. And Burrow and then Herbert missed it by 10 yards. Yeah. Um, do we know what the status is of Austin Eckler? Uh, he didn't look good after the game. Um, he he wasn't – yeah, I mean, this team only ran the ball 23 times for 46 yards. So we're going to continue to air it out. Oh, yeah. Which, if Justin Herbert's going to look like that, <laughs> I am all for continuing to air it out because bombs away, brother. Super impressive, man. I mean, this offensive line was missing. Balaga, uh, Pouncey's obviously out. Trey Turner's out. I mean, we're talking about one of the worst collection of offensive linemen I've ever seen going up against a really good Bucks front seven with JPP and Shaq Barrett and Vita Vea and Indomitong Sue. And Justin Herbert hangs in there, hits throw after throw under pressure. He's 20 at 25, three touchdowns, 290 yards, did have one interception, but it was clutch moments, man. It was looking comfortable in the face of pressure, being accurate with the football. I mean – It's only sacked twice. Only sacked twice? I mean, on the road against Tom Brady? I mean, this dude, man, that was a hell of a performance. And, like, he's quickly answering a lot of the questions that I had about him in the NFL. And I love that he's getting a chance to kind of open things up. And um, he's responding, man. He, he looks really comfortable. And I, I know that Anthony Lynn loves him some Tyrod Taylor. But, man, oh, man, I think this is Justin Herbert's football team. Well, here's the dynamics. Um, Los Angeles won week one with Taylor at the helm. They won 16-13 and didn't turn the ball over. Naturally, they had 207 yards passing. Herbert comes in, 296, when you, you account for, for sack yardage, 319 and 278. They score as many or more points in all of those contests, but they have seven turnovers in three games, so naturally that's what we'll point to and say, oh, well, the, the ball security – Taylor's going to have better ball security and so on. And so on. he's not wrong, but the, the upside of what Justin Herbert gives you to unlock access to all of the field, not very small strike zones of the field that Tyrod's comfortable throwing into. At some point you gotta, you gotta look at your defense to make some plays for you too. Right. And for a rookie quarterback who had the questions that Justin did to be you know, the deep set play action passing, stepping up and throwing the deep post to be sliding in the pocket and throwing ropes over a dropping linebacker against cover four like he did last week against Carolina on the touchdown past Keenan Allen. Some of the, the maneuverability were, were, you can tell it's simplified. But I would rather have simplified and know if I need to, if the game situation forces me to have to open up the field, I am not going to run a 13-play, 60-yard, two-minute offense that takes me four minutes and 30 seconds to get down the field. I can push the ball with Justin. And he's not looked lost. He has not looked overwhelmed. 
He's looked great relative to what the expectations were and how popular it was to poo on Justin Herbert back in March. I don't know how anybody can watch what Justin Herbert has done and not been blown away. Yeah, it's the right, it's the right way to feel about it. And yeah, I, I don't really care about Tyrod Taylor and a three point win over the Bengals where he just played mistake free football in terms of not turning it over, but it's the throws that Tyrod doesn't make that are but Anthony will point to that, but well, Anthony will absolutely point to that. If I'm Tom Telesco, we're going to have a real sit down here and I might mandate that Herbert plays because that's ridiculous. This guy is your number six overall pick. He's come in and, and played really, really well um, in short notice against the Super Bowl champions, Kansas City Chiefs, loses by three in overtime because Anthony Lynn's a coward. You have a five-point loss to the Panthers and then you go toe-to-toe with the Bucks and lose by seven? Heck, if you don't have that uh, that – exchange right before the half with him and Josh Kelly where they they fumbled and gave Tom Brady a free you know touchdown right there this might have been a different game right they were up what 24 to 7 at one point yeah and then they that that fumble happened and right before the half they get they get it to two scores and you know momentum's in Tampa Bay's court but there's no there's no I don't care I mean that that's horrible there's no this is your franchise this is the future of your team man you just took this guy six overall and he's playing well Get Not only played well, exceeding expectation. Right, 100%. Behind a crap offensive line. So they play New Orleans next week and then the Jets. <laughs> Justin getting that first dub against the Jets? Yeah, he's definitely getting that. Um, at and New then, Orleans and, might be tough, but they're not they're, playing great. And then they're at Miami, home against Jacksonville and the Raiders before the bye. And then Denver. I mean, there's some wins coming up here. Right. I mean, they'll probably get – they'll get three or four wins through their first ten games. Well, and just kind of like what I said about uh, – what team was it earlier? Um, Carolina, where, where this team is in its life cycle, right? I mean, some of these losses are really going to be good for Justin Herbert. You learn a lot through those moments. And, and you know, like he's playing well, but obviously there's another level here for him to help his team, right? Win, you know, win these games. And uh, I, I think that he's going to be a better player for these moments. Is the, uh, is the Chicago Bears regression to the mean on its way? Low-key Indianapolis has a great defense this year. High-key. They have a, them and Pittsburgh are the only two teams that can play defense this year. They've played great defense thus far. Yeah. They've given up up 29 points in the last three games. They lost the Jaguars, man. What's up with that? Minshew mania, baby. Right. He's he's the the rookie version of of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. He's just going to have those games, right? It's like – and that's his career arc too, you know? He'll be a starter for a long time, just not necessarily (laughs) probably for, for the same team. (laughs) <laughs> right, man. Exactly right. He's going to be that guy. Um, so, I mean, yeah, the Bears. Look, I'm not trying and, to get us in trouble at work or anything like that with Paige, but like, y'all beat Detroit, the Giants, and the Falcons, and correct. you needed a miracle to beat the Falcons. Yeah, we think. now play Tampa next week. Oof, it's Thursday night football too. We go to Carolina. We go to the Rams, 
we are home against the Saints, and then we go to Tennessee. What's what's the bigger story here? The Colts being three and one or the Bears being three and one? I think the Bears being three and one because it was Mitch and Mitch looked good in week one. And then by week three, he's benched. And then Foles comes in and the offense really isn't all that much better. I don't know. Anytime a team starts three and oh, kind of grabs your attention, right? But with what we know about the three teams that Chicago beat and looking at Tampa, Carolina, L.A., New Orleans, Tennessee, and Minnesota before the bye, this team's probably going to be under 500 by the bye week. (laughs) The wheels are coming off is what you're trying to say here, huh? Uh, They ain't beating Tampa next week. Probably not beating the Rams. So that's three and three. Let's say they beat Carolina. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt, which I don't know that they deserve right now. That'd be four and three. Then they play the Saints. They beat the Saints? Unlikely. Okay, so now we're four and four. They go to Tennessee. Unlikely. Okay, now we're four and five. <laughs> Home against Minnesota, who they've owned Minnesota, to be fair. Oh. So five and five. If, that, if that's if they get benefit of the doubt with Carolina and Minnesota. So they're going to be a seven or eight win team. And then like you come think. out. Green Bay, Detroit again, Houston, Minnesota, Jacksonville, Green Bay. They might get some softies on the back end. They might steal a 9-7 and seven record out of this. That's the luxury of starting 3-0, and oh, right? Increases your margin for error. Right now they're the top wild card team. In you the, can play sub-500 ball the rest of the way and be a 500, uh, be, have a winning record at the end of the year when you start 3-0. and oh. What's uh, – Let's talk about our friends over at Built Bar, Joe. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, and we mean it. It is delicious, and that was even before they completely renovated their formula for creating protein bars that have up to 20 grams of protein and one-seventh the grams of carbs and sugar of your typical protein bar. So whether you're looking for a delicious snack, you're looking for something that's keto-friendly, you're looking for something post-workout, or you just like things that taste delicious, which both of us do here on Draft Dudes, uh, Built Bar can be that product that fills that void throughout your eating schedule for the day. You can visit BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to save $10 off your next order. So find out what all the fuss is about for yourself and visit BuiltBar.com and use LOCKEDON to save $10 off today. Okay, Joe, let's close with Trey Lance. I think this was a big enough college football storyline that it deserves our attention here a little bit to close the show. All right. So Trey Lance comes out, starts the game one of seven passing, sacked with a fumble, throws his first career interception at the college level, finishes the game 15 of 30 for 200-something passing yards, threw two touchdowns and an interception. Um, But, Joe, I watched the game. I watched Trey Lance specifically. And I have no further clarity. And if anything, (laughs) I have more questions than what I had coming into the game, which is exactly what we knew was going to happen unless he goes off 
and completes every single pass against Central Arkansas, throws for 500 yards, and scores six touchdowns. Like, that was the only beneficial outcome for Trey. And, like, the team won. He was effective as a runner. He looked good running the ball. He looked good in the fourth quarter. He was four or five for 56 yards, and a touchdown in his incompletion was a deep ball that he had had uh, issues getting the timing right on all game long that was dropped. So, like, he played really good in the fourth quarter. But you look at his resume, you look at his relative inexperience, it feels inevitable that he's going to come out because he's so toolsy. But, and, and I'm inevitably due for an apology letter to Bill's Mafia here in the next couple of weeks, and I will write it eventually once Jamie puts it on my schedule. <laughs> I'm going to say the same thing about Trey Lance that I believe I said about Josh Allen. I don't know if he's for me. Does that make sense? Wait, so I, I guess I, I have questions about your questions now <laughs> that you said that. So what, okay. makes you, what makes you say, okay, where were you before this game? Did you feel that way before this game? Were you teetering on he's not for me or, or what? He's, for what his cost is going to be, I don't, I don't think I would be the okay. one comfortable making that decision. Okay. And making that investment in Trey Lance. I'm putting myself in the shoes of I'm an NFL general manager. I have to pick a starting quarterback to tie my career to. You're talking about Jordan Love still went where? 28? Some, yeah, seven, something like that. 27th? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. Even if it's a first-round pick, based on small sample size, Extremely small sample size. And, like, the hot hand wore off. He threw the interception that he'd been trying to throw all year last year, right? Like, he's, he stared down some of these reads. He threw it into the second level. Zone defenders reading and shadowing his eyes. I said the same thing about Josh Allen. My evaluation of Josh as a younger talent evaluator was much more harsh than my evaluation on Trey Lance would be. No, I, I will never deny Trey Lance has the physical ability to be a franchise quarterback at the NFL level. And I think he's got a reasonable chance of getting there. But if I'm going to put myself in the shoes of I'm an NFL general manager, I'm going to draft a quarterback, and I got to draft a redshirt sophomore from FCS North Dakota State who started 16 games, hasn't played in a year other than one bled performance, and his, his play style leaves him susceptible to a great volume number of hits, and he doesn't really protect himself all that well as a player. Am I comfortable using a first-round pick to draft that guy? And I don't know if the answer is yes. So have I ever told you about this 10,000 rep thing? Yeah, I'm familiar it, with the 10,000 reps. So I, just for anyone who doesn't know this, I had a conversation the year after the Bills drafted Josh Allen in the first round. Um, I had a conversation in a press box with an NFL scout. We were talking about our quarterback rankings for that 2018 class. And he told me that his team he represented had Baker Mayfield as their QB one. Josh Allen was their QB two. And the reason, the sole reason they had Baker Mayfield above Josh Allen was because they thought Baker Mayfield was at least 10,000 reps ahead of Josh Allen when it comes to, you know, practicing game reps 
at, you know, at that division one college football level. And they were not willing. They said, we don't, we don't have time. We don't have that type of time to wait on this quarterback to get and, up to speed. And to be fair to that scout, he was correct. They did not have that ton of time they, to wait. You're could exactly you, right. Could, could you imagine? You're exactly right. You're exact. You're, and that's so the two points that I'm getting to here is Trey Lance has had 300 and just to take over 300 passing yeah, 300 attempts in his career. And some odd pass attempts at the FCS level. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Extremely gifted, right? Physically gifted. There's not, he has no physical limitations. But you want if 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 Josh Allen was ten thousand reps behind Baker Mayfield, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Like what what's the number here? Right. And so that that's what it really comes down to. If you're going to take Trey Lance high in the twenty twenty one draft, you have to be willing to embrace what that means, and that could be a three year process. Oh, look at the Bills and Josh Allen. Right. It's it's literally that. And oh, by the way, you have to do all the other stuff too. You have to get the exact right offensive coordinator, the right weapons around him. You know, like he has to have the right makeup and all those types of things. But that's what you're looking at doing. So if, if you're okay with that, then this is this is fine. But if you're a team that feels like you got to get that, like you you need a you need Baker Mayfield because he's as good as he'll be. You know, like he'll he'll have be be close to his ceiling when he enters the league, and you're comfortable with that. And this is not your quarterback. Yeah, I it, I just feel like the window. The needle that you have to thread is so narrow to get it right. And, and credit to the Bills, and like I said, I'm going to write this whole apology letter to Bills Mafia about Josh Allen, but like, I don't have regrets because I wouldn't be comfortable with my team doing that. And I knew at the very beginning of this process for you too, Joe, I am going to put words in your mouth here, you were very anxious about this process. Now, granted, it's turned out great because the Bills did everything right. But how much of an indicator is that for so many of these NFL draft busts? Yeah. You get drafted high for a reason. You know, maybe some of these guys are knuckleheads. They're, they're worried about things that aren't football, and, and they, they don't commit themselves to their craft and their process. But, like, if you get drafted high, you're talented, and you have the ability to make it work. It's do you put the work in from there? And does your team put you in the best positions to be successful? And for a lot of these guys that are busts, it's either look in the mirror or your process failed you and it led you astray past the point of no return. Kyle, I don't fault one single person for not being high on Josh Allen as a prospect. His concerns were real, and I completely understand not being comfortable with investing a high pick on him. You're talking about accuracy issue, mechanical issues, decision-making issues, everything, efficiency. Everything. Yeah. And those things aren't stuff that people overcome often, right? Very low, low chances. So I, I don't have any problem. Like there's no need to bury anybody for being down on Josh Allen as a prospect. I don't have any problems with that. If you, if I take exception with anything now, it's that it's the people that still don't want to believe that. And look, I get sample size. I'm trying to stay grounded, all that stuff, but the kid's playing out of his mind. And what I have an issue with is, is people that want to sit there and poke holes on and every little thing that is not perfect and, and cling to that because you want your pre-draft assessment to be. You have to be open to new information in the context that has gone into Josh Allen's development. I don't care. If you didn't work for Josh Allen and you said bad things about him, he deserved it. He was, he was a very raw player and not even a good college quarterback. It's being open to new information and, and, and learning from it. That's If you haven't been willing to do that, that's where – 
I think anyone should take exception with your stance on him. Now, what scares the hell out of me is somebody is is if somebody drafts Trey Lance and expects him to be the Dex Josh Allen. Such an improbability, right? Josh Allen is, is such a outrageously fun story because he is the exception to the rule. You don't draft guys expecting them to be the next exception to the rule. You just don't. So from a Trey Lance perspective, yeah, I'm worried about a team in the top 10 that says, hey, well, you know, you know they're, they're all these traits and he runs and he's athletic and he's got a big arm. Work for Josh Allen, so we're going to do it. And, like, it's like trying to put together a piece of Ikea furniture by looking at the outside of the box. Well, for every Josh Allen, there's a Kyle Bowler and a Jamarcus Russell and a Jake Locker, you know, and a Blaine Gabbert. So, <laughs> Keep, yeah, you know, I mean, we could go all day. <laughs> right. There, there's, there's probably, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very, it's, it's improbable. And, and I, need, I need to do more work on, more work on Trey Lance, obviously, and, and those types of things. But um, if you're going to, if you're going to pick them, then you need to be, in, you, your team, your ownership, your front office needs to embrace a, a three-year process. And that's okay. Like if you're willing to wait on that and you're willing to invest properly and all those things, then go do it. Just be ready for the fans by week five. (laughs) Week fans by week five, they'll be losing their minds. As Jordan Reed says, microwave society, right? We want everything and we want it now. But here's the thing, right? Then there's that Packers side of thing, right? Right. Right. Aaron Rodgers playing out of his damn mind right now. And um, nobody's, nobody's talking about Jordan Love. It might, it might need to be a team like that, Kyle, where they're willing to do something like that and keep them on the, the sideline and, and grow through it. Or maybe Trey Lance just needs to go back. I don't, you know what I mean? There's a lot of options here. I'd, lo- I'd love to see him end up at a Big Ten school. Go, go play Minnesota now. Oh, sure. That'd be fun. Yeah. Won't happen, though. I doubt it'll happen, I should say. Kyle, programming note, I'm going to put you on the spot. Our mentions are full of what time are we doing the live stream tonight? Yeah, freaking double header, which is a good thing. It's a good problem to have. Are they both on TV? Uh, yes, one's on CBS. The other one's on regular ESPN. So oh, the bless it. First game is 7.05. And then the other one's like 8.40, I think. 8.50. Oh, 8.50. Pushed it back. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going I'm to have to dual monitor here. Yep. It'd be like a college football Saturday, but there's oh, not like go. 17 what? other games to worry about. <laughs> but two Monday night games. Um, 6.30? Does that work for you? Probably not, but uh, <laughs> we'll make it happen here. We'll be fine. I guess we'll do 6.30. 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. Our faces will be on your screens. Your YouTube channels. Yeah, so your YouTube. Your YouTube.com, the Draft Network. That's going to do it for us today on the show. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, thanks as always for listening. We hope to see you tonight. If you miss it, you can hear it tomorrow on the show. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Did you know that yearly Medicaid renewals will start again soon? This means millions of people who were enrolled in Medicaid during the pandemic may no longer be eligible for coverage. If this may impact you, the good news is you have options. 
Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield can help answer your questions so you can find an affordable health plan for you and your family. We want you to feel confident you're covered. Click to learn more. Policy exclusions and limitations apply. Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield is the trade name of Anthem Health Plans, Inc.